0: Cat Brooks, a federal complaint has been filed alleging that the Ronald McDonald House is discriminating against people with sick children who were convicted of certain crimes in the past. The ACLU, among other groups, alleges the rule violates the Federal Fair Housing Act. Joining us to discuss is Elizabeth Wild Greenberg, senior reporter for The Appeal, a worker-led nonprofit news organization. She writes on prison and jail conditions and wrongful convictions. Good morning, Elizabeth.
1: Good morning, Cat. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, Glad
0: to have you back on the show. Um, We have not as much time as I'd like, so I'm going to jump back in. I think most folks know, but just really quickly, what services do the Ronald McDonald houses provide to families in
1: theory? Absolutely. So in theory, their services are really essential um, for families who have a um, critically ill or chronically ill child. Um, They provide temporary housing, uh, for families uh, so they can stay close to the hospital where their child is receiving treatment for very serious conditions, like in in this instance, for cancer.
0: So, yes. Can you tell us about Ron Mielis and his family?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, um, Mr. Mieles um, and his partner, uh, their son, Anthony, Uh, was diagnosed with cancer um, shortly after he turned 16. Um, When he was 17, he required uh, very intensive treatments and the hospital that could provide those treatments and and that they trusted was about an hour away from their home. So um, they met with the Ronald McDonald House um, in the greater Hudson Valley area in New York, Uh, told them the situation which is exactly what the ronald Ronald mcdonald house is set up for um, to provide temporary housing for people who live far from where their child will receive treatment they were put in overflow housing um, given a voucher to stay in a hotel Uh, they moved in and the very next morning they received a phone call from the local Ronald McDonald House telling them they had to vacate immediately because of a criminal conviction that had turned up turned up um, on the background check for Mr. Mielas, which was an assault conviction from, I believe, uh, 12 years earlier.
0: Elizabeth Wild Greenberg, out, outside of the Mielas family, do you know how common this practices by Ronald McDonald House corporations like how many people or families have been impacted?
1: That's a great question. And they get into that a little bit in the complaint. They don't have a number of people um, who have been impacted, but they do cite policies from other Ronald McDonald houses that appear to be the same policy as the one in um, in the New York, in the um, upstate New York area. Um, they cite a policy, I believe, in um, Cleveland, Ohio, Um, That states that there are certain uh, crimes which will uh, mean that the family will be denied housing. That's the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Northeast Ohio, which states without limitation convictions of violent crimes, domestic violence, child abuse, sex offenses, illegal drug activity, burglary, and or identity theft will result in rejection of your application. They cite a similar um, or nearly identical policy for the Ronald McDonald House Charities, Maryland. Um, And I think, you know, what's important to note, right, is that these uh, policies don't allow for any kind of individualized assessment. They don't allow, you know, looking to see how long ago the conviction was for um, or what kind of changes the person has made since the conviction occurred.
0: Tie this into other practices of blanket criminal background screenings and the ways in which it deters people from applying for housing.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, it is um, housing discrimination against people with convictions is so rampant in the United States. Um, It happens when people, um, you know, apply for housing when they're uh, trying to rent a home. It applies in these really um, tragic situations where a family is just trying to take care of their child and, and be close to them. Um, and it really um, you know speaks to the, the larger issue right in this country that when someone has a criminal conviction, our policies and our practices make it very hard for them to uh, just live day to day, to access a good job that they enjoy, to access um, safe housing, to participate in their uh, you know, in their children's schooling, we make it we make it very hard for people to move forward with their lives.
0: And this primarily impacts folks of color, right? And then is compounded by all of the other inequities that folks of color walk through this country with.
1: That is one hundred percent correct, and that's really the crux of the lawsuit, which is that these kinds of policies have a disparate and discriminatory impact um, on Black and Latino families. And this is because we have a racist criminal legal system that over-criminalizes, um, over-sentences, over-polices Black and Latino community members. And so these sorts of uh, blanket uh, bans on people who have certain criminal convictions, this is gonna fall much harder and be um, this is going to fall much harder on Black and Latino families, again, because of the systemic racism in our legal system
0: not to mention like access to decent um, health insurance. Talk, I mean, it, you know, I can't imagine if my, my child had cancer. I, I imagine that's an incredibly traumatic experience and you're engaging with the Mieles family, Elizabeth. How did this compound their pain?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I I should say, I haven't had a chance to speak with the family based on the complaint. They detail um, the kind of hardship that the family endured because um, because of this discrimination, they had to drive um, about 100 miles every time they went to visit their son, Anthony, in the hospital, um, which was just about every day. There were times Anthony would wake up and not realize and see that his family was not there, um, because they had gotten, you know, caught in traffic. Um, they were not able to be by their son's bedside as much as they needed to be and as much as they wanted to be. Um, also they have other children. And so it made it very complicated for them to juggle, um, taking care of their, uh, teenage daughter and their two, uh, two children, I believe under three, um, in terms of having to travel back and forth such long distances. So this
0: lawsuit was just filed. Um, what are the next steps?
1: Yeah. So what the plaintiff, um, what Mr. Mialis and his family are seeking is really an end to this policy. So he, his family, and no other family has to, um, be denied their right to be close to their child um, when they're sick and when they're getting care. So that's the first thing is they want this policy to stop. They want this policy to be rescinded. Um, The other thing is they are, um, you know, seeking monetary damages for the harm uh, that this caused, Um, although uh, I don't believe they're specified in the lawsuit. Um, I checked last night and as of last evening i did not see a filing a a response from the ronald mcdonald house um or the the local chapter
0: and they didn't respond to inquiries from you either i imagine
1: that is correct they did not hear back from them
0: elizabeth wild greenberg anything else that my listeners should know about this story
1: um no you know i do hope that if this has happened to other people that they will um, you know, reach out to their local ACLU, um, the New York Civil Liberties Union and the American Civil Liberties Union um, filed this uh, filed this complaint. And I'm sure that they are interested, as am I, in knowing um, if this has happened to more people.
0: Okay, Elizabeth, I've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Kat.
0: If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawandisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA, that's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area.